This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Going to Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m., keeping you up to date what's going on in the world of Arsenal's transfers. And compare this show to about a week ago, and my mood might be significantly better back then. Uh, it's been a pretty up and down week with uh, hopefully an announcement today on Gabriel Jesus, more on that later. Um, But there's been some difficulties, it's fair to say, this week. This week has been a bit testing and trying for Arsenal. And it could be a defining week for the window, which we hope, fingers crossed, they recover and react and respond to a lot of things that have been taking place during this window. But... Thank you so much for tuning in uh, and do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, I hope that you've had a good week. I hope that you've got a fantastic weekend ahead of you. Uh, I'm working today, uh, so my Saturday is going to be taking up all to do with Arsenal. I'm also going to be live at 6pm today. I'm going to be joined by Lev from the Arsenal Lounge. You're going to have a good discussion uh, about transfers. Of course, we kind of share different views on it, so it should be a good conversation. So do make sure that you tune in around 6 o'clock tonight for that second show. I know that we've not done a couple of evening shows. I've been quite busy. Um, But because of that, I am going to do a show tomorrow morning. So the Sunday off won't exist this week. It is my day off tomorrow. So I actually will do a Sunday show because uh, I'm not doing anything uh, later on in the day. So tomorrow, 8 a.m., there will still be a show on the Sunday. So do make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Let's say good morning to people joining us in the chat box. Ian, good morning to you, to Andreas, to Patrick, to Tony, to Matt G., uh, to Jose, Paul, Canoe, uh, Virash, Martin, Simon. Good morning, guys. Hope you're doing good and well indeed. Stevie, Martin, Trag, Blackshire, Alden, Aussie, Damien. Uh, good morning to everyone else as well joining us in the chat box. And Deji, thank you so much uh, for the $1 donation. That's really kind of you. And thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, let's uh, kick on with our first story in which we must give Brooke Norton Cuffey a massive congratulations on winning the under-19s Euros um, in which uh, they won last night in extra time, beating Israel 3-1. He didn't start the game, came off the bench. Um, he didn't have 
he was, you know, uh, he was okay during the semis. Gave away the penalty, of course, having watched back the highlights and stuff. But uh, he didn't start the game in the final, but uh, still had a, a decent show when he came on, and uh, hopefully can return to Arsenal's training after a slightly extended break, of course, and then get back and fighting for a place in the team as well. But a massive congratulations to Brooke. Norton Cuffey. Uh, now, Matteo Genduzzi's departure from Arsenal was confirmed yesterday. He joins Marseille on a permanent deal for around £9 million, reaching around the 11 €12 million Euro mark. Not the best deal financially for Arsenal. He's been a player that's worth well over double that now. And would, if he was to move on, uh, and you can see him moving on to a PSG probably in the near future, uh, he's going to be worth significantly more. So, Arsenal, in the end, not getting the best of financial deals, but uh, kind of wrong place, wrong time, and a player tripping over his own shoelaces uh, in the end, unfortunately. But his, uh, his exit has now officially been confirmed. Despite that, uh, there are other players that will move on, probably for similar small fees. And the asking price for Pablo Marie is said reportedly to be €6 million, Euros, so not even breaking the £5 million mark at the moment, um, which is a bit of a shame. I thought Arsenal might be able to demand a bit more for Pablo Marie, considering they paid double that. Um, that's really frustrating. Um, but he's a player that hopefully will give us some financial backing um, during the window. But him, in comparison with other players, um, hopefully will add up to a significant um, kind of you know fee for Arsenal this summer. But with Nicolas Pepe's future still uncertain and it looking unlikely he will earn Arsenal... Uh, a serious figure at the moment. Nicolas Pepe's situation is the club are actively searching for suitors. There isn't really that many coming forwards. Kind of tells you much about the player and how much we're paying him. Um, but fingers crossed, Marie, Leno, Pepe, Maitland-Niles, Bellerin, uh, are players along with others uh, that we can also move off the wage bill this summer. We're just going to have to wait and see what ends up happening. Now, William Saliba has supposedly had the number two given to him for next season. This was a leaked image that has spread around social media. It's not yet available on the official version of the Premier League website when I checked, but this was still an image that was circulated. Still need this to be verified. But it wouldn't surprise me if he became the number two once Bellerin moves on in the summer. Uh, it, it is the vacant number that I would expect him to take when Bellerin does leave. Uh, speaking of announcements, Gabriel Jesus's number nine was spotted on the Brazilian Arsenal Direct website. Surely an announcement is going to be taking place at some point today, maybe even as soon as we've wrapped up this video. So if you're watching this later on, uh, it hasn't been announced at the time of the live show. Hopefully we have an announcement of Jesus today at some point. Nine o'clock sometimes is the time in the mornings. Other than that, it has been in the afternoons. Fingers crossed we get an announcement because, quite frankly, they've been taking the mick with how long they're stringing this one out. Moving to the potential ins, and unfortunately, a player that won't be joining Arsenal, as I'm sure you all know by now, of course, is Rafinha. Uh, Arsenal have supposedly officially pulled out of the race. They haven't even made a bid since Chelsea uh, stumped up that 60-odd million pound bid uh, at the start of last week. Uh, I look forward to seeing what hopefully uh, we see from him uh, in a Barcelona shirt rather than a Chelsea shirt. That would soften the blow to missing out on Rafinha. 
But now it's all about who Arsenal go for as an alternative. That's what we need to go and try and find. Moving on to our next story. Uh, and we look towards Arda Gula, who is a player that I know next to nothing about. We talked about him on yesterday's show. But links again have surfaced with the 17-year-old uh, who has scored three goals and got three assists in 12 top-tier uh, Super League appearances. I don't really know how to word that any better, to be honest, but he's already playing at a senior level. Despite his young age for Fenerbahce, Arsenal was said to be tracking him. Beyond that, not really anything concrete on that anymore. However, what there is a concrete story about is Amadou Onana of Lille, Belgian international as well, actually pipped Sambi Lukonga to a place in the last Belgian international squad. Arsenal have been tracking uh, Anana for some time, according to good friend of the show, Sasha Tavalieri, a Belgian reporter, very well connected uh, in the Belgian uh, football scene, uh, helped in a piece on an exclusive that we did regarding Lukonga staying at Arsenal this summer and broke a lot of the news around both Tielemans and Lukonga in the course of the last 12 months. So I have no reason to doubt this information that Arsenal are tracking Anana, but there are other teams interested, specifically from London, in the Belgian international. Really exciting young player. We know that Lille know a midfielder when they see one from their time of getting the likes of Basuma, of course, and uh, and Samara, etc. Now it seems that Anana is indeed the next one. Arsenal are said to be tracking him, perhaps one for uh, a future kind of window rather than this summer. I don't see why Arsenal would go for another young, up-and-coming centre midfielder if they weren't either going to loan him out uh, or if someone was going to depart, because we've got quite a few players of that ilk already at the club. Now, uh, the penultimate story is that Arsenal's interest in Yuri Tillemans remains. Ben Jacobs of CBS Sports reported yesterday that despite the fact that Arsenal called their interest, Edu continues to be in regular contact with the players' representatives. The player is said to be very open to joining Arsenal still. Manchester United have got an interest in the player, it is said, but Tillemans' preference remains Arsenal. For me, with the way the window is going right now, Arsenal probably need to push ahead with this one um, and reignite that interest significantly and pay what Leicester uh, are asking for. Otherwise, Arsenal may end up with a rather silly-looking window come the end of things if they don't sort their you-know-what out. Uh, and that leads us quite nicely into the headline story of the day, which is, of course... Lissandro Martinez. Uh, now, report from David Ornstein yesterday was that Manchester United have finally made their move and have actually moved into the lead in the race for Martinez and become the favourites. Martinez is said to be keen on the possibility of reuniting with Eric Ten Hag and Man United will now look to try and agree a fee with Ajax. Arsenal aren't out of this yet. However, there doesn't seem to be a willingness at the moment to match the asking price of Ajax. There doesn't seem to be that either from Man United at the moment, but there has been reports of Ajax's willingness to come down on their price tag. I, you know, it's it's been a really crap week for Arsenal transfers. Uh, not only has the Jesus situation strung Arsenal fans along, to be honest, a bit with the announcement and, and that's built up frustration, but the Rafinha situation and now the Alessandro Martinez situation has certainly built up frustration. I think that's been evident in a lot of my YouTubing colleagues that we've seen. Both Harry, I watched his show last night. You could see Harry's frustration. Um, when talking about this, you could see Lev's frustration on the Arsenal lounge, and we're going to have a chat about that this afternoon. You know, for me, 
I continue to have patience. Uh, I, I'm an optimist, as you guys know, uh, and I can see you guys are struggling in the chat box, just glancing at your comments. Now, um, we've never done this much business if you include Jesus's obviously done deal this early on. We've never really spent this amount of money this early on in the window. That gives me encouragement that if we do miss potential primary targets, that it gives us the time to go and get very good alternatives. The problem with a player like Lissandro Martinez is that because he's so good at being versatile, and I wrote a piece on the possible alternatives to him yesterday, there just aren't that many options out there that cover all the positions. Uh, one of the few options that we went through was Olivier Biscagli at Feyenoord. He's a player that can play centre-back, left-back, defensive midfield, 24, I think, years of age, um, but just is not of the same level as Martinez. You've got players like Zinchenko, of course, that can play left-back and centre-mid, but can't play centre-back. You've got players like Klosterman at RB Leipzig or Gavardio at RB Leipzig that can play centre-back and left-back, and in the case of Klosterman, also right-back, but they can't play midfield. Martinez gave Arsenal an option to cover three positions of a really good standard. He only played left centre-back last season for Ajax and, of course, has, has not played those other positions for quite some time at club level, but we know that he can play those positions. It frustrates me. I understand the process. I talked about this yesterday, about the fact that Arsenal were trying to get the maximum value for their targets because they know how much business they've got to do in three more positions, being this versatile defender, a progressive central midfielder and a wide forward. But it's just a frustration, obviously, that Arsenal are unwilling um, to push that little bit extra or early enough to get deals done. Now, the encouragement, obviously, is the Fabio Vieira deal. You know, that deal was done behind the scenes. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what happened with that deal. And it came out of absolutely nowhere. It seems like we can do these deals without it cropping out in the media. And Arsenal, as I've mentioned and wrote an exclusive piece on this, are putting in place strategies to try and limit and restrict the amount of information that is being leaked out. The Lissandra Martinez, the Gabriel Jesus, the Tillemans, the Rafinha situations have all come out into the media and only the Jesus deal has been completed. And it seems that when Arsenal's deals and potential targets do crop out, it is having an impact on their success rate regarding completing them. It's a frustration. There is still time left to get this one done if Arsenal really push for it, but it's not looking great. And it's a frustration. You know, it is a frustration. There is still plenty of time left and we might be feeling very different in a week's time. As I said, go back and look how I was talking about the window a week ago compared to how I feel now. And that in itself shows you how quickly things can change. I hope that the same thing happens next week. Um, but right now, I'm not wildly optimistic about it, but I am remaining patient and we will wait and see what happens. Um, let's go to you guys in the chat box now. We've completed today's stories and that means, of course, we will go to you guys in the chat box. So if you indeed have a do, uh, do have a question you would like to throw in, now is the time to do so after this quick break. Okay, then let's uh, let's jump into the chat. I know there's a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, um, and uh, and we're going to try and tackle it and we're going to try and go through what we can. 
Um, Vacan says, what alternatives do we have to Lissandro Martinez? Well, I just talked you through a couple of them that I've kind of thought about, um, but they're just not of the kind of same level and they're not of the level of versatility that Martinez brings. Inchenko, as I said, gives you left back and central midfield. Um, you've got players like Gvardio, RB Leipzig or Klosterman that give you a lot of kind of coverage in the defensive line. You've got uh, Olivier Biscagli at Feyenoord who can give you those versatility in midfield and defence and left back, but not to the same level that Martinez can. It's tough. It's really, really difficult. So let's wait and see what happens in the future. Uh, Rich says, uh, would you ever consider Daily Blint, Tom? I don't think so. Um, I think Arsenal need to go for a significantly better player than Daily Blint if we want to push forward. Um, Freddie says, why didn't we do that with Martinez then? Just go straight with the 43 million. As I explained on yesterday's show, Arsenal are trying to get maximum value out of the bids for their players because they know they've got to cover lots of different positions. Um, that's the reasoning that I can come up with and theorize, but whether or not, you know, it's right or, you know, even the case of effective right now is, is very, very difficult to kind of see. Uh, Tom says, hi, Tom, uh, do you think because we are not going to get Martinez or Rafinha, we will change the plan and strengthen other areas like getting Tillemans? Arsenal have got their priorities. Um, we've got, we know that we've got players that we want to get in different positions. And if we aren't getting one, you think it would mean that we would push to get another. Only time will tell, Tom, whether or not that happens. Fingers crossed we can see it. Uh, Sam says, I would love Gnabry, but I think it's unrealistic. You think? <laughs> of course it's unrealistic. I just, it's absolutely not. Uh, Anton says, is it time to panic by it? Absolutely not. The reason why we sit here at the start of July, having spent more money than we ever have done at this point in a window, is because we were doing our business as early as feasibly possible. Getting deals done, negotiating alternatives if we didn't get them done, and we have got time now to react and respond to not getting other potential targets. We know, as I've said from the Fabio Vieira deal, that a lot of these moves do take place uh, outside of the realms of the public and out of the public eye. Hopefully... That is happening with plenty of others. Uh, Jack says, looking like another one of our transfer windows where we take too long to conclude deals. I don't think that's a fair suggestion uh, In you know, on the 2nd of July. I really don't when you consider how much we've done already. I think that would be an inaccurate comparison to windows where we sit in August and start talking about it. And trust me, if we get to August and we've not got these positions sorted, I will join you in that criticism but I won't get all hyperbolic and overreactionary in July. Luke says, thanks for the show, Tom. How important do you think it is for Arsenal to have a strong remainder of the transfer window in terms of tying down Saka and others to new deals? Saka, of course, is a massive part of this transfer window. He remains a priority for the club and the club are trying to get that deal done. It is going to take some time to agree something. As we know, he's got the same agency as both Nketiah and Balogun, and they're both on a combined wage of £140,000 per week. You can imagine that Saka is going to want something in probably excess of the combined wage of the two players. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for the donation. Uh, Andy says, Tom, if we get Tillemans, do you think Xhaka is going? No, I don't. I think uh, strengthening the squad is not about replacing players. Strengthening the squad is about adding quality, moving on surplus talent, and I wouldn't describe Xhaka as surplus to this team. He provides quality, provides consistency at times for Arsenal, and Tielemans, I think, adds more and different kind of abilities to what Xhaka does. They're different players, and therefore they cover different ranges of questions that oppositions can ask and that we need answers to. Uh, let's go to Stephen, who says, I think we have 
uh, to take a deep breath. We have done some good transfer business so far. Targets are exactly that. Targets. Players go to clubs for all sorts of reasons. Give it until the end of the July. What I would say is that Arsenal moving for these types of players that we obviously are being beaten to at times or winning in the case of Jesus shows you the types of players that Arsenal are going for. Can you remember the amount of times you either joined a YouTube channel or jumped into a chat box and players were criticised because no one else signed them? You know, Arsenal signed Lacazette. What was the criticism? Well, no one else was in for Lacazette. We signed a Bamiang. What was the criticism? Well, no one else was in for a Bamiang. How many times have you seen that argument from Arsenal's biggest critics? And yet when Arsenal try and compete and go for other big signings, our hit rate is not going to be 100% successful because Arsenal are probably in one of the weakest points they've ever been in their modern history in the window. We won the Jesus race, despite interest from Spurs and Chelsea and Juventus. We won that race and got our main man. You know, Fabio Vieira, if you go back through links over the past 12 to 24 months, has been having interest in him from plenty of top teams as well. But in the case of Rafinha, we weren't able to do it because we weren't able to go to the figures that we were willing to spend or that rather Chelsea were willing to spend and Barcelona were willing to spend now. Um, but the opportunity seemed to spark Arsenal into action with that one. With Martinez, we identified this target fairly early on and we've tried to get him for a figure that would allow us still to move for other positions and without compromising our ability to do that. But again, I, I circle back to answer this question from Stephen again by pointing to that same fact that how many times did you see criticisms of Arsenal's transfer targets being not so good because we were going for players that no one else wanted? Now we are and we're facing the challenges that goes alongside challenging for players that lots of other teams want, you aren't always going to win the race for them. Real Madrid wanted both Kylian Mbappe and Haaland. Real Madrid ended up with neither. doesn't matter who you are, when you go for the most competitive targets, you aren't always going to be successful no matter what club you are. We've won some, we've lost some. Hopefully we can win some more before the close of this transfer window. And thankfully, because of what we've done in the window already and the time in which we've done it, we've given ourselves plenty of time to move to other targets should we need to. Uh, Sharif says, hi, Tom. We do we have to do our business before that first game. I agree with you. Last summer, we restricted ourselves to a 35-game season, which was unacceptable. Also, chances of signing Anana from Lille. Chances are, you know, they're mixed right now for Anana. There are a lot of London teams that are interested I don't think it's a deal that may not happen this summer. But if a team wants to push hard for him this summer, then maybe that will spark Arsenal into action. Um, Peter says, without taking into account our targets, what is the most important position that we need to strengthen? Now we've got Jesus. For me, it is about that central midfield area. We need to upgrade. If we go into next season with the same midfield three of Xhaka, Partey, Odegaard, we've not progressed. We've not upgraded that three. You know, we've strengthened and reinforced it with Fabio Vieira, but we've not upgraded it. And I need to see something. I need to see some progressive central midfielder come into the club. Martinez actually gave us something to compete with Xhaka and Partey because he can cover those roles. I need to see something in midfield. Now we've got that striker and we've renewed in Ketia. Wide forward is a backseat position for me. It was a luxury to get Rafinha. If we did, it would have been great, sure. But it's not the area that I look at as a priority. It is one of them but it is not the priority for Arsenal's window this summer. Um, Dan says, hi, Tom. We took longer years to build the Emirates while Tottenham took a few years to build their stadium and signing top players. What can be the reason? The reason is 2006, 2019 and 2020. 
15 years of difference in the world of football financially means very, very, very different things. Whilst the stadium cost was higher for Spurs, the money and revenue is just so much higher now than it was 15 years ago. And, you know, it just means that we couldn't do that. The money you get from the Champions League now compared to back then was very different. So the reason why they can recover from that spending so much faster than we could is because the money then and now is exceptionally different. It's actually quite simple when you think about it that way. Um, the Onyx Lens says, we are so spoiled. People are sleeping on the Fabio deal. That was huge. The biggest thing we need to worry about is signing Saka. Agreed. Uh, Mohamed, I, I mean, I agree because Saka's contract is so important to the future of Arsenal. I'd rather renew Saka than sign Rafinha any day of the week. Any day of the week. And that's what I want to see. And Mohamed says, so what now, Tom? When you're priority signing, don't consider you first choice. What now? Well, again, not all of them. Some of them. Jesus, we got him. Fabio Vieira, we got him. Priorities, got them done. Rafinha, didn't happen. Martinez is looking 50-50, maybe even 60-40 towards Man United right now. So we move. Uh, we move for the alternatives. We move for different targets. Plan A, B, C, D doesn't have to be plan A being far and away a hugely better option than plan B. We can find some alternatives. And we have to rely that those people at the club know what those targets are. If we've learned anything from the last 18, 24 plus months at Arsenal in the transfer window is that we've improved the way in which we recruit. We've improved the players that we target. We've improved the way, uh, the way in which we go about this. So hopefully we can use that as encouragement to go into the rest of this whole entire month that remains before the season even gets underway to get others and other top players into the team. Uh, Mikey says Rafinha is about to reject Chelsea. If Barca can't raise the funds, Arsenal would be in the box seat. As for other signings, the Cronkies and the club understand this, understand the significance of this window. What I will say is that at the end of the day, I will point the finger at the ownership for not backing this coach if we don't get those players because we couldn't stump up the money because they have the money. This is we we've back we've I've, I've sat and I've defended at times what the ownership have done since 2018 that we've invested. But this window is so key, so incredibly important that if we don't back Arteta and Edu in the market with the money that we need to get our top targets, we will suffer. The seven, eight, ten million pound difference between what we're offering or willing to spend on a player and the ramifications financially from missing out on another season of Champions League football will be far greater than the difference between us bidding at the low ball end and getting the player for what the club are asking for. That's the frustration for me, is that this will be the summer where the criticism of the ownership can really be brought forwards financially, despite what they've done since 2018. This will be the summer that measures that for me. If we don't back what we're doing and spend similar and more than what we did last summer, we will face the consequences of not getting our top targets and therefore face the consequences in terms of competition next season. Uh, Jack says, Edu needs to start selling some players, man. It's his job. And if he doesn't sell a good chunk of the rubbish, then he's failed. Um, we obviously, for selling players that no one wants is obviously always going to be a very tough task. We need to sell players like Bellerin to Atletico Madrid, Leno to Fulham. We need to sell eight things to make the Nars as best we can. Nicolas Pepe is a tough one. You're on 140 grand a week. Not Edu's fault. He didn't put him on that figure but it's going to be very difficult to try and, and get him out the door when he's on that kind of wage. Um, Marie, I think we can move on. Leno, as I've said, we can move on. Maitland-Niles, we absolutely can. Tavares, maybe even. We'll have to wait and see. 
There are players that we can move on, but selling players that aren't demanding loads of interest. You know, I do have my sympathies in that area. Uh, let's go to Mysterious Billionaire, who says, it isn't about money with Martinez. Ajax didn't want to sell on to us because of a gentleman's agreement. Van der Sar was waiting for United. Can you send me a link to that information? Because I've not yet seen that. But feel free to send me any evidence that that is the case. Um, Paul says, uh, we spent 50 million on Wyatt, but refused to play less for a player. See, this, this argument doesn't fly with me at all because Ben White was signed in 2021. This is 2022. The budget was different. The summer is different. The targets are different. In 2021, Arsenal were willing to go for 50 million pounds to sign a Premier League quality homegrown player in Ben White when they had targets at defence, fullback, midfield. And that was about it. Left back as well. And goalkeeper. This summer, we have different positions. Now, we could get the other positions we wanted at right back, goalkeeper, left back, attacking midfield, and still sign Ben White for £50 million. This summer is completely different. The Ben White argument doesn't work because it's a different scenario, different context, completely different year with different scenarios. So I'm sorry, Paul, but the Ben White argument doesn't fit in 2022 because the targets and money is very different a year on from what it was back then. So that's that's why it doesn't work because it doesn't suit. It doesn't fit. Not doesn't suit. It just doesn't fit with what... We're doing a year on from then. And says, if we don't get our targets and end up with second tier quality players, will you blame Arteta if he doesn't get top four? Yes, um, because ultimately, despite, I will still look to the Cronkies and say, why didn't you back him? I will still look to what we have done during this window, bringing in Jesus, Fabio Vieira, and hopefully strengthening elsewhere and think we've got two opportunities in both the Europa League, of which we will be one of the favourites for that tournament, and the Premier League in which I feel that this is a team that is progressing towards that and go, yes, because maybe another manager would be able to do it. But we won't know answer until we get to that stage next season. We won't know where we stand before the season starts until a month's time and maybe things would have changed in the window. It's an impossible question to really answer because we don't know what's going to happen in the next year. But we have to be grounded and objective. It's not about agendas. It's not about who you back or who you like or who you support or what you might look like on YouTube for having an opinion. You need to be grounded and objective. If things go well, we praise. If things don't go well, we criticize and reason why they didn't go the way we wanted them to. Last season, I could objectively put you across an argument that we went into that top four race because of what Arteta was doing and both what was happening in the market and the players we were signing and what we were doing on the pitch and that we didn't achieve it because we were hit with some incredible misfortune in combination with some mistakes in the January transfer window and team selection at times as well. But the primary reason for me last season still remains those injuries. Next season, we'll see what happens. It's all about being objective. It's not about sitting on either side of an Arteta fence. It's about being an Arsenal fan and then breaking down what happens across the season before you come to an answer and a reason is behind whatever happens, happens. Um, let's go to uh, Makabongwe, who says, are we really in for Jared Bowen or not? Because I'd love to have him after we get our centre midfield and Martinez. Uh, well, the Beautiful Game podcast are not a outlet that I would sit here and say are unreliable. They have incredible connections and get some fantastic guests on. So I don't know why they would make something up like that. I have no reason to doubt that information that Arsenal are interested 
The problem with Bowen is that West Ham are his employers and West Ham tend to ask for silly fees for their players. And I don't think you'd get Bowen for anything less than 70 million plus. Um, but we'd have to wait and see. Uh, a lot of people are asking about Grimaldo. Um, I need to have a quick check on where those reports are coming from. Uh, let's have a quick check. Uh, the record in Portugal uh, says Arsenal have an eye on him and the club is only asking for 7 million. Well, that will very much entice Arsenal. Uh, claims that he can play centre mid and left centre mid. I need to check up. Not seen loads of the guy, just knowing more so as a left back. But I've not seen credible links to Grimaldo yet. Doesn't mean it's not true. Just not seen anything cross-referenced along those lines. Uh, Martin says, calm down, people. Still two months of the transfer window to go. I would counter that and say, for me, there's one. Yes, there's two months factually, but there's one month before the season starts. And that's a big, big thing for Arsenal this summer. We can't go into the wind. We can't go into the start of the season still having not signed some priority positions. We can't afford to do that. We have one month to do our priority business. I don't mind if we do some strengthening after the season starts. Wide forward, I can I can sleep at night knowing that we didn't sign a wide forward when the season began and instead signed them later on in the window. But I cannot justify us not strengthening central midfield before the season starts. I cannot really justify us not bringing in that versatile defensive option like Martinez before the season starts. It would be a failure in those positions if we don't get them in before the season begins that is a problem. I would have liked to have seen them even earlier. Um, so let's wait and see what happens. Uh, let's go to Barnett, who says, apparently Ajax are ignoring Arsenal's bid, which was higher than Man United's. Ajax are negotiating a lower fee with uh, ETH, Eric Ten Hag, because van der Sar is prioritising Man United, uh, him being a United legend. If this is the case, obviously it's a barrier that Arsenal have unfortunately come into. Is there an argument that if we'd have done this sooner, we wouldn't have had to face United's interest? We don't know how long United, of course, have been interested in the player for. It could have been going on behind the scenes for a lot longer than we've been aware of. We don't know. I hope things change. I hope that we can get this done. It's just not looking particularly positive. The Jesus announcement is now in a, in a period of time that unfortunately is going to downplay this announcement for what is a really, really, really good piece of business by Arsenal. Um, and unfortunately, because we've longed it out, it's now happening in a, in a scenario where the fans' mood is not the best right now. Uh, John says, Tom, how, uh, how you have the patience to constantly do shows whilst we constantly fumble uh, is commendable. I agree with the most of your opinions, but struggle to defend them at times like these. Uh, Look, it's very, very difficult not to get angsty and angry and frustrated. I try and be as grounded and as objective as I can and stick to reality in the sense of knowing there's a month to go, knowing that things could happen, and knowing that if I went on to YouTube and started screaming at a camera in the 2nd of July, that something may happen between now and the start of the season that then makes that video look pretty silly. I've done it before. You go and watch my reaction to us not signing Emi Buendia, a video that went mad last summer, and I look pretty darn silly a month later when we sign a better player in Martin Odegaard. 
So I'm not going to sit here and do that. I, like this club, I'm going to learn from some of the mistakes that I've made in previous videos and previous summers and not lose my head um, yet, especially when what we've done has impressed me. And especially when we've spent more at this point than we ever have done before at this point. So I look forward to seeing uh, what we do and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> we'll keep covering it. We'll keep talking about it. We'll keep reasoning it until it gets to the point where it cannot be reasoned. And then we will start to break it down and be critical. Um, let's go to the Onyx Lens. It says, who would we sign the next month that we could start? Tielemans, of course. Uh, I agree with you. Xhaka probably will start that first game of the Premier League season. It's it's not unusual for new signings, no matter the size of them, to have to bed their way into a team. Even Bruno Gimaraes at Newcastle had to bed his way into that team. It's not unrealistic to expect that our team won't feature all that many new boys against Crystal Palace. I think Jesus obviously will. I think there's a chance Fabio Vieira could be involved, but probably not from the start, especially in that midfield three. Um, and the back line, I think, will be the same. Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney um, will be our back five. I think Partey, Xhaka and Erdegaard will be the midfield three. And I think that Martinelli, Jesus and, and uh, Saka will be the starting front three. And that ironically means, you know, that we've changed one player in the start of the season, which I know to a lot of people come across as, wow, we spent how much in the window? We've only replaced one starter. Of course, across the grand scheme of a season, with four competitions, it's not that simple and things change pretty quick. But uh, yeah, I agree with you that I think Xhaka will probably start that first game uh, unless he, of course, leaves. Uh, let's go to uh, Sam who says, you all got to remember, like Tom said, a lot of this is done on WhatsApp and it's all about connections. Just look at the players we've got and their connections. Again, I will highlight there are things going on that we don't know. And if that your mood is based entirely on what you see in the public domain, you are ignoring what can happen behind the scenes, which is, you know, a lot. That's why, again, I sit here on the 2nd of July and say, we've got a month to go. A lot can happen. Who knows what might happen even in the next week? Let's wait and see. Uh, William says, the important thing to see is that it is what are plan Bs for right wing and forward positions and left back. Don't like the word plan B, to be honest. I want competitors in every role. Um, that's what I want to see. And I know you've said they're seeing that the two priority players in that position don't want to join us. We need to make sure that we bring in competitors in every position, not just players that are backups. I don't want backups. I want competitors. Uh, Elliot says, when will Arsenal stop lying to us and just say we never act like a big club when there is competition around a player we want? Again, Elliot, I'll bring you back to the point I said probably about 10 minutes ago now that how much did we see people complaining about us signing players that no one else wanted? Now we're going for players that other teams want, which is a good thing, but it does mean that you are sometimes going to miss out on those players no matter who you are can't have everything you can't have it both ways arsenal can win some of those races as we've done with jesus and they will lose some of those races as we have done with rafinha i hope martinez falls our way it's not looking great right now but i hope that it does but us going for players that other teams want is a good thing it's a very very good thing it means we're moving for better players better targets uh, not players that are just easy to get over the line because no one else came in for them which was something that a lot of you watching this, I know probably will have used as a criticism before. Not all of you, I'm sure, but a lot of you. 
Um, Mohammed says Tillemans and Zinchenko before the end of the month. Fellas, it sounds, you know, I'd, I'd be very happy with those two players coming into the team. I think they improve the squad massively. Um, it would be something I'd be very, very open to indeed. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, if we've had paid uh, for Martinez, Man United wouldn't be there or are we just running the window down? Look, Martinez is the argument with the payment side of things. We, we only know what is in the public domain and what we've heard. If Arsenal had gone in earlier and harder for Martinez, remember, we initially bid 25 million. You know, it's a 17 million drop on what the original asking price supposedly was. I hope that we can go in and get someone like him. I just don't think Arsenal are willing to go big on certain players because they feel it will compromise their ability to sign every player that we need in all the positions that we need. That's that's a problem. Um, also, you probably saw yesterday a lot of hype and furore around the idea that Fabio Vieira has picked up an injury. I haven't talked about this yet. And to be honest, the whole situation frustrated me. It is well documented that Fabio Vieira picked up an injury whilst on international duty before he even signed for us. Uh, it is a minor foot injury that will be fine. Absolutely fine. The way in which we see this whipped up in the fan base, we see tweets that whip up the anger and frustration and meltdown that we've seen time after time is a real disregard um, for how hyperbolic this fan base can be. He'll be fine. I really don't get it. <laughs> I really, really don't. And thank goodness Vieira came out to calm people down as well. We need more of that. We need a lot more of that. We're going to round things off there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in, as always. I'll be back later on today at 6 p.m. Uh, with a show with Lev to talk about the frustration of the transfer window and debate a few points about it. Uh, I look forward to that. I also look forward to joining you again tomorrow morning. There will be a show tomorrow. I know I usually take Sundays off, but I haven't been doing a few evening shows over the last few days, so I am going to make up for that with a morning show tomorrow. So hopefully we can bring you more good news. Hopefully the Jesus announcement can be today. Uh, if you are watching this on playback and it's been announced, great. If it hasn't, oh, dearie me. Uh, anyway, thank you for tuning in. Do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications on so you never miss a show. I will see you at 6 p.m. today. Have a fantastic weekend, day, whatever. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.